Pastor Xavier Rees and the battle yet to come. The imagination of the mind of Russia are not secret to God. The problem is spiritual. It will be a power encounter, much like Elijah against the prophets of Baal. And that's what it is boiled down to. People, listen carefully. It's a power encounter of Yahweh and Jesus Christ against Allah. It's a power encounter. And God says He wins. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Today, as Pastor Xavier explores the words of prophecy buried in the book of Ezekiel, he opens the pages of history yet to be fulfilled. And that's coming up on today's important study, so let's get started. Ezekiel chapter 38, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13. And the message is entitled, Russia Will Invade Israel. The prophet Ezekiel was a watchman of the house of Israel, as you know. And he made it clear that the restoration of the land and the nation of Israel would certainly take place. He's told us that from chapter 35 to 37. In 35.1 to 36.15, he stated it by declaring the judgment of the mountain of Seir and the blessings of the mountain of Israel in preparation of that restoration. In 36.16 to 37.14, by also focusing on the restoration of the land and the spiritual regeneration of the nation by the new covenant, resulting in a new heart and a new spirit for the kingdom age. But then he illustrated both the physical restoration and of the people and the land and the spiritual regeneration of the land by the vision of the valley of dry bones as one nation, not as two dwelling in the kingdom under the reign of Jesus Christ, chapter 37. Ezekiel now brings us to the invasion of Israel by Russia with what seems to be an Islamic confederacy to be destroyed by God. These two chapters are to be taken as an entire section, but the sections are not in chronological order. If this is not recognized, they can be seen as contradicting one another. We must look at the timeline. The messages vary in their description of events, if you've read it. You have the general revelation given, then specific details of the same event that are to be put back into it. You're familiar with stuff like that. Genesis 1 and 2, some people think two accounts, chapter 1 and 2, contradicting. No. Chapter 1, the general revelation. Chapter 2, details that need to be put back in, right? So if we keep that in mind, then we can understand it a little better. Therefore, we have to think through the content of the message to place each in the right timeline by the context to see where it fits in the latter years. That's a key phrase, in the latter days, which is the last seven years of tribulation, which complete the time of the Gentile. You find those two phrases in 38.8 and 38.16, last years and last days. That's the context. This invading battle has been placed at different periods of the last seven years of tribulation. Some have placed it at the beginning. Others have placed it in the middle. Still others have placed it at the end of the great tribulation. And still others have placed it at the end of the thousand-year reign. But if we see these chapters as describing a single battle that takes place at a set point in time, followed by the various details resulting in other events ending with the recognition of God by Israel and the nations at the end of the seven years, then it makes perfect sense. 
I see this battle, the invasion of Israel by Russia, taking place at the beginning of the tribulation, simultaneously with the rapture of the church, or right after it. Because if it's before the rapture, then that destroys the doctrine of eminence, that Christ can come back any time. It has to be right at the rapture or right after the rapture, because no man knows when Jesus is coming for his church. First, these two chapters take place during... A time of peace. Very important that we see this. Peace and safety. This will take place when Israel makes her covenant with the Antichrist. The last seven years. Daniel 9.27. Secondly, the Jews burn the weapons of warfare for fuel for seven years. That's exact number of the tribulation and great tribulation. Ezekiel 39.9 tells us seven years. I am bound to those seven years. I can't just ignore them. And thirdly, the acknowledgement of God by Israel as their God does not take place till the middle of the tribulation, we know. When the Antichrist declares himself God and he walks in the temple, and then Israel flees to Petra. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, Revelations 12, 13 through 17. So when it declares to us that Israel acknowledges God in the nations, we have to look at the context closely. It cannot be at the beginning. Because if it is, how can Israel acknowledge God at the beginning of the seven years and make a covenant with the Antichrist. It can't be. So if we understand the period of seven years and all the covenant, then we can see that some of those statements are overall statements of the result of what's taking place. The invasion of Russia by Israel consists of three things. First, verse 1 and 2, the declaration of God's opposition to Russia. Secondly, verse 3 through 9, the confederation of armies with Russia. And then 10 through 13, the imaginations of the mind of Russia. Let's begin here. Look at the declaration of God's opposition to Russia. Verse 1, the revelation is identified as being divine in origin. All over again here. The phrase, now the word of the Lord came, is a prophetic formula reminding Ezekiel constantly. This is God's revelation of the future. Now, look at the commission of the prophet. It was one of judgment. The one who was uh, human and frail by the title son of man would be the channel of God. Notice the identification of the enemy is given to us in verse 2 also. The term Gog is a title like czar or pharaoh. It means mountain to be on top, head, chief. The land of Magog is the geographical location. The location of the descendants of Jephthah, the grandson of Noah, Genesis 10, 2, 1 Chronicles 1, 5. Now, notice secondly, in verse 3 through 9, we have the confederation of armies with Russia. Verse 3, the initiation by Russia as head brings her judgment. She's the one responsible. The authority of revelation continues to be affirmed divine, thus saith the Lord God. This is the first of seven messages by the formula. This is Yahweh speaking from heaven to earth about future things. The message of judgment is clear. Behold, I am against you. Yahweh is the one who is hostile here. It's set up against the Jews in Ezekiel 5.8, Tyre in 26.3, Sidon in 28.22, Pharaoh in 29.3, and Eden in 35.3. When God says, I'm against you, it's not good. Notice Yahweh's hostility is righteous and just, seeing he is the Holy One of Israel. We've seen this throughout the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. The one in control of history is Yahweh. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out. The prophecy repeats this many times 
with the personal pronoun I, referring to God himself. 38 times in these two chapters, I, I, I. Verse 16 and 17, you have that repetition. I am against you. Look at verse 5 and 7. You have the unification of the nations that's identified here. There are five that are named. The first three are Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. Persia is first, the modern-day Iran. They are radical Muslims who have vowed to drive the Jews into the sea. The Persians of Esther's day also planned to destroy the Jews by a man named Haman. Esther 3.8, listen. Then Haman said to the king of Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. Nothing new. Same philosophy. Ethiopia. The Sudan region is second. Ethiopia, they were mighty warriors in the past. Isaiah mentions them. Jeremiah. Just recently, they have defeated the radical Islamic extremists that have tried to take over their nation. We should learn from them. When they try to enact laws to behead people who wouldn't pray six times a day and they tried to overpower their women, they stood up and they didn't have any controls over warfare. They wiped them out. Libya's third. These three are with them. Gog, the Prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal. All of them with shield and helmet. The Confederacy is for war. This is emphatic. They're not going down for peace treaties or for inspections. Verse 6, the last two are Gomer and Tagarma. Gomer's fourth, the ancient uh, Sumerians, uh, south of the Black Sea, modern-day eastern Germany for the most part, Poland and all its troops. Tagarma is the fifth, the Balkan states, Turkey, Yugoslavia, Armenia, the region southeast of the Black Sea. The house of Tagarma from the far north and all its troops, it says. Russia extends more than 6,000 miles east and west directly north of Israel. There is no one else that could fit this. Many people are with you, he says. Verse 8 and 9 gives us the indication of time here. The time regards the end times. Mark it well. The certainty is clear. After many days, you will be visited. The particular period is also clear. In the latter years, you will come. The term latter year is an eschatological phrase indicating the last period of the last days. Genesis 49.1, Numbers 24.14, Isaiah 2.2, Daniel 10.14, and right here. The term can fit no other period in history than the last seven years of the tribulation and great tribulation Remember, this will occur in a time of, time of safety under the covenant that Israel will make with the Antichrist in Daniel 9.27. The first three and a half years of tribulation are false peace. The time regards the return of the Jews. Look at 8. The geographical location is Israel. You can't miss it. You will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gather from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. The tremendous wealth of Israel will be sought. One of them is the Dead Sea. Riches beyond measure, minerals, precious metals, everything else. God knew what he was doing, just damming that thing up for thousands of years. All the concentration, precipitation, all that. You've got ore, you've got magnesium, you've got everything in there. And I would not doubt if there's oil all over that area. 
<laughs> they're going to come for wealth. God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. Notice the geographical collection is the nations. They were brought out of the nations which had long been desolate. We've seen this in part. All over the world, Jews have returned, but it's not the final gathering. This confirms only the physical return of the, to the land, the rebirth of the nation, but not the regeneration of the nation by the new covenant that we've seen as God pours out his spirit. The vision of dry bones makes this very clear by the two faces, the physical restoration and the spiritual restoration. Don't confuse them. There are two. Notice the time regards the time of peace. And now all of them dwell safely. He says it over and over and over again. So we have to fit it within the prophetic timeline, a time of peace. The only time is the first three and a half. For this peace will be the result of Israel's covenant with the Antichrist. Again, Daniel 9, 27. Notice verse 9. The time regards an overwhelming invasion of Israel. The Russian Confederacy of Nations will attack. You will ascend. The Russian Confederacy will be sudden, unexpected, and an incredible force coming like a storm covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. But God will defeat Russia. God will defend Israel. The scriptures tell us that Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other, Luke 23, 12. They became friends over Jesus. It is amazing how people who are not friends by nature, how quickly they become friends through a common enemy. And such is the case with Russia and all these five nations, the common enemy is the Jew. If the Jew was removed, all these nations would be fighting each other. <laughs> Interesting. Joe Rosenberg, November 28, 206, Washington, D.C. The cold hard truth is that Putin is not a friend of the U.S. or the West. For a man who was trained by the KGB at one time was Russian's top spy, Putin has been surprisingly candid about his long-term objectives and strategies for achieving them, at least to those who are watching closely and listening carefully. In 1999, for example, uh, Reuters ran the following headline, quote, Russian premier vows to rebuild military might. Putin, then prime minister under Yeltsin, had just delivered a speech declaring that the government has undertaken to rebuild and strengthen the military might of the state to respond to the new geopolitical realities, both external and internal threats. He focused especially attention on the new threat that has emerged in our southern frontiers. Putin also mentions 57% increase. No sooner had Yeltsin stepped down that Putin repeated the vow to rebuild the country's badly weathered military machine. Quote, our country, Russia, was a great, powerful, strong state, he declared in January 2000. And it is clear that this is not possible if we do not have strong armed forces, powerful armed forces. Putin has kept his word. 
ordered the largest maneuver of Russian nuclear forces in two decades, scrambling strategic bombers, launching cruise missiles, test-firing ballistic missiles, and sending new spy satellites into orbit in what analysis describe as, quote, an imitation of a nuclear attack on the United States. In February, Putin insisted that Russia, quote, does not have and cannot have aggressive objectives of imperial ambitions, yet he ordered dramatic improvements in the Russian military to achieve a more combat-capable army and navy, causing one of China's leading dailies to worry about the resurrection of the Russian military. Putin ordered 40% increase in Russia's defense budget, including new fighter aircrafts, new rockets, and two new army divisions. With the rebuilding of Russia's conventional military and strategic nuclear missiles forces underway, Putin then delivered a speech on April 25, 205, that I believe rank, Rosenberg says, as the most dangerous presidential address of our time. Quote, first and foremost, he declared, it is worth acknowledging that the demise of the Soviet Union was the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the century. As for the Russian people, it became a genuine tragedy. Tens of millions of our fellow citizens and countrymen found themselves beyond the fringes of Russian territory. Putin went on to argue that since the threat to Russia from terrorism was still very strong, the Kremlin must be strong to eradicate such terror. The moment we display weakness or spinelessness, our, lo- our losses will be un- immeasurably greater. Then he insisted that Russia should remain connected to the former Republic of the USSR. He argued that Russia and her neighbors have a single historical destiny together and said he wants to synchronize the pace and parameters of the reform processes in, the Ru- in Russia and those former Soviet republics. Consider for a moment what such a speech says about the lenses through which the leader of Russia views his country and the world, Rosenberg says. When Putin looks out over the vast expanse of the 20th century, he is not primarily concerned with the 20 million people who perished under Stalin's reign of terror or the 6 million Jews who died in the Holocaust under Adolf Hitler, or the 3 million who died in the killing fields of Cambodia under Pol Pot. Rather, he believes that the disintegration of the evil empire ranks as the greatest political catastrophe of the century, and that its reintegration and synchronization is a matter of historic destiny. Such a fondness for an empire so murderous and cruel would be chilling if it were voiced by the leader of any country possessing 10,000 nuclear warheads. But it is particularly chilling coming from the leader of Russia, a country described in the scriptures as having expansionist ambition in the last days. The confederation of armies with Russia will be fulfilled. Whether this is it, I don't know. But we're putting it side by side with what the Bible is saying. So it's important that we think. Notice, lastly, he has here that the imagination of the minds of Russia in verse 10 through 13. In verse 10, the intent of Russia is evil. The future day is confirmed. The divine authority continues to be prophetic in phrase. Thus saith the Lord God. The time is affirmed by the phrase, on that day it shall come to pass. The plan is self-serving. Notice, at the prophetic time, the thoughts will arise in your mind. 
according to God's word, and you will make an evil plan. The very words of Russia are quoted in verse 11 and 12. In 11, the strategy is to catch them by surprise and defenseless. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without the walls and having neither bars nor gates. Very clear. That can only happen once the covenant is made with the Antichrist, the beginning of the seven years. Verse 12, the single purpose is greed and violence. To take plunder, to take booty. Booty means spoil. Doesn't mean what it means today. To stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. The reference to the midst of the land is the land of Israel. God's focus is on the land of Israel, the center of the earth. Everything is north, north of Israel, south of Israel, east of Israel, west of Israel. God gives his direction biblically and prophetically from Israel. It's real simple. Notice verse 13. The response of other nations is stated. Their identity is given in verse 13. The merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, Sheba is a southwest corner. Notice there in verse 13 of Arabian Peninsula. Dedan, the western coast of Arabia, of the Red Sea. Tarshish, the area of uh, Sardinia to Spain. The young lions, we don't know. Some have speculated. Does that refer to England, America, and Australia because of the lion of England? We don't know. Speculation. But notice their indignant words are stated there in uh, verse 13 also. Some think they are objections to their evil plan will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your armies to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away li livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Objecting. But others think they, they are objecting to not being included. And that could very well be. You can take your decision. I think they probably are complaining because they weren't included. If they're objecting, then there's some who do stand against it. We're just not sure. This event of the invasion of Israel must take place right after Israel makes their covenant with the Antichrist. Safety and security is the context. We have to fit it into the timeline. It's been said, so a thought reap an act, so an act reap a deed, so a deed reap a habit, so a habit reap a destiny. This is Russia. The problem is spiritual. It will be a power encounter, much like Elijah against the prophets of Baal. And that's what it is boiled down to, people. Listen carefully. It's a power encounter of Yahweh and Jesus Christ against Allah. That's what it's come down to. It's a power encounter. And God says he wins. You understand? The imagination of the mind of Russia are not secret to God. The scriptures are amazing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you that this is what Ezekiel says is going to happen. And this that is happening right now certainly could be it. We don't know. But it's certainly headed in the biblical direction. And so the invasion of Israel by Russia is clearly stated to consist here by the declaration of God's opposition to Russia, which is prophetic. It will happen. The confederation of armies with Russia will be fulfilled. 
and the imagination of the mind of Russia are not secret to God. They've been exposed. So that's our, uh, our introduction to this incredible battle that's going to take place. There is more to come. Pastor Xavier Reese with a hint at what's still to come. And today's intriguing study, Russia Will Invade Israel, Part 1, is available on CD for only $4. And this will also include what we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Russia Will Invade Israel, Part 1, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What will it take to conquer the nation of Israel? That answer is on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 